In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Eternal Father, you called St. Philip the Evangelist to open his mouth and begin with Scripture, tell the good news of Jesus Christ. By virtue of our baptism, we too are called to work for the salvation of souls. Instill in our hearts the zeal of St. Philip, that we may convert hearts and minds to your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior, who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Welcome to the St. Philip Institute podcast, where we talk about how to live and teach the Catholic faith to really anyone we come in contact with, whether it's a, a relative or a friend or an atheist, someone that we know who is struggling with their belief in God, or someone who is on that journey and becoming closer to the Lord. Um, but we're never done in our spiritual walk. So this is all about how to teach and live the faith and grow closer to the heart of our Lord and Savior. So uh, I am your host, uh, Mickey Siba. I am the Seasons of Infancy and Initiation Specialist here at um, the St. Philip Institute, and I'm my co-host. I'm Deanna Johnston, the Director of Family Life for the St. Philip Institute. And I just have to say that by the end of... Well, when people, when this episode is released, um, a new baby Johnston yes. will actually be here. Yes, so. we're recording this episode like four days before <laughs> baby's yep. supposed to be here. So, yay. So I'm so excited to have another, we call them Insta-Kids, <laughs> the kids of the Institute. So yes. um, thank you for coming at such an exciting time. And uh, I love co-hosting with you. Same. <laughs> so um, in today's episode, we are actually going to discuss the seven sorrows of Mary. This is a devotion or something that I've heard of just recently. It hasn't been something that I have been exposed to during my whole, you know, Catholic life and growing spiritually. Uh, I was writing an article um, for our institute on practicing patience like Mary. And in my research, I was immediately led to the seven sorrows of Mary um, because patience is directly connected to enduring sorrows and Mm. tribulations. And um, when we were thinking about something to do for um, Lenten episodes, um, this just seemed to really fit really well with the whole idea of Lent. And one of the things I just wanted to share as we get ready for this sort of um, talking about each of the seven sorrows, but just an introduction on some of the research that I found and praying about it. But um, St. Thomas Aquinas, when he what he said about patience is that it safeguards the mind from being overcome with sorrow. That in this life, we will have sorrow. There will be crosses. I mean, Jesus even tells us, pick up your cross and follow me. That is just part of the Christian life. But having patience and learning to endure those sorrows and tribulations is something that is key. And we can look to Mary as that example because um, of her immense suffering, which we're going to dive deeper into today, and the idea of uh, having the patience to endure all of those um, the grief that she experienced in watching her son um, and the patience that she endured during each of these sorrows that she experienced and what an amazing witness of practicing patience and enduring those things. Um, And one of the things that came to my mind was, um, you know, of all the trials that she endured, the one, one of the ones that stick to my mind, which we'll go into a little bit more detail later is, um, taking her son um, off the cross Mm. and sort of, you know, the very Mm -hmm. famous Pieta Mm -hmm. statue, like her embracing him. And my thought 
was that you know as she's there holding the body of her of her son um you know what that looks like she she is embracing him he is close to her heart um and she uh and the trust that it took for her to even in all of this to trust in the goodness of god's plan and when i was thinking about um during lent uh, for me, that was just the connection that during Lent, this is something that we're called to do more deeply, to embrace Christ, hold him close to our hearts, and to just trust in the goodness of his plan, even if there are moments mm. in his plan that don't feel mm. good. Does absolutely. that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I I really love the idea of focusing on the blessed or inviting the blessed mother to walk with us during Lent. Um, I'm really bad at Lent. <laughs> it is not my favorite liturgical season, but it's because I need it so much. Um, and so to invite Mary to walk with us in our Lenten journey and specifically using a devotion like this one of the seven sorrows. And for us, like we're coming at this or reflecting on this as mothers. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, I know we got a lot of moms that that listen to um, that listen to the podcast. But regardless of whether you're a mom or a married couple, you don't have children, um, or a single person, to reflect on okay, how how can the Blessed Mother help me in my walk with Jesus. And like you were saying, if the if the goal of, of Lent is to draw closer to the heart of Christ, then we I mean we can use all the help that we can get. <laughs> Amen. And I love what some of the saints have said and I'm, I'm sure we're gonna do um, other episodes in the in the future that talk specifically about Marian theology and like what's up with Mary as as far as being Catholic. Um, but one one quote that I love from St. Maximilian Kolbe is, never be afraid of loving the Blessed Mother too much. You cannot love her more than Jesus. You, mm-hmm. you just can't. <laughs> like she's, she's Jesus's favorite. Um, <laughs> and um, she is, her purpose is always going to be to draw us closer to Jesus. That's why she's here. That's why mm-hmm. Jesus entrusted her to the church from the cross. Um, is so that she can walk with us and draw us closer to him. And we can't, um, some, sometimes we really need that that extra support and who better to go to than the first disciple, the first person to say yes yep. to Jesus. Um, and what we see in reflecting on these seven sorrows is, as you said, the patience and trust that Mary had, um, especially in you know these final four sorrows are very much focused on the passion and the cross, and um, what that must have taken, as a mother, what that would have taken to continue walking with Jesus. Like, I can't even No, I can't, can't imagine. Im- I can't imagine. One of the, the things, um, like, when my, I think it's the nature of a mother's heart. When our kids suffer, mm-hmm. we suffer, and we would rather take that suffering on ourselves if we could. And I can't even imagine walking through the life of Jesus with the heart of Mary, um, just taking those, those in comparison, those little trials that I've experienced in my life and not even being able to fathom uh, what that was like for Mary. And so I do think that as a mom, going through these has helped me really draw closer to the heart of Mary, but also Jesus, because the heart of Mary is something that as a mother that I was able to relate to 
and it was it just helped me sort of see the whole passion of Christ and the life of Christ differently, which was really powerful. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to share this um, with our listeners. Absolutely. And I guess another just side note that this is one of those devotions. So we, we talk about big T traditions, little T traditions. This is a little T tradition. So you're not a bad Catholic if you've never done the Seven Sorrows Chaplet or the Seven Sorrows Prayer. I... I have never <laughs> done it up to this point. I, I learned about it from my, my own mom. Um, but they're, they are approved by the, the prayers approved by the church. Um, some of the prayers that we'll even mention today uh, were approved by Pope Pius the seventh. If I'm reading my Roman numerals correctly <laughs> in 1815 um, for daily recitation. So um We'll put in the show notes some direct links to more history about the Seven Sorrows, um, the actual chaplet itself, um, so you can go deeper to use it as a meditation. But there's lots of really great resources and more specific things of what the the saints have said. But this is just one tool that can be helpful as far as your Lenten journey. All right, and then part of Lent is to increase our prayer life, and so um, this is something that we could just do um, in our own prayer journey. Um, in our Lenten commitments. Yes, so. absolutely. All right. Absolutely. You ready to dive right in? Sure. Okay, All right. Wonderful. <laughs> so the first sorrow is Simeon's prophecy, and that's found in Luke chapter 2, verses 34 and 35. And in the prayers that we, when we were doing some research on this, um, one of the prayers that was um, approved by Pope Pius um if you were to reflect on these each day or, or take each sorrow um, and reflect on them, there's a virtue that's associated with each of the um, each of the sorrows. So for this particular one, the prayer focuses on obtain for me the virtue of humility and the gift of the holy fear of God. So Simeon's prophecy. So this is um, when Simeon tells Mary the sword will pierce your heart. And I mean, just imagining what that moment must have been like Mm -hmm. for the Blessed Mother Um, and just knowing what she was saying yes to or just reaffirming her yes, that when she said yes to being the mother of God, she was also embracing everything that came with With that. that. Yeah. One of the things I was reading is um, that Mary, because she was already enlightened by the Holy Spirit um, and was faithful to her... um, to her Jewish faith, that she would have known the prophecies of the Messiah. And so knowing that Jesus is the Messiah, again, the extent of what she knew, you know, I have, I'm sure there might be some writings out there, but I haven't um, dove into that very deeply. But she would have known an idea of what's coming. And to be either reminded of that um, or it is brought to her attention by Simeon, you know, that your heart will be pierced by a sword. And for me, some of the things that I was reading, um, and a lot of what I read, um, I stole from St. Alphonsus Liguori because he has a beautiful writings about the sorrows of Mary. And one of the things that he said um, is that, um, this is a quote from the book, In this valley of tears, every man is born to weep. And all will suffer um, through the evils that occur in our daily lives. But how much greater would the misery of life be did we also know the future evils that await us? And that God shows us a tremendous mercy 
by not revealing mm-hmm. to us the future. Mm-hmm. And that's a mercy, right? That we mm-hmm. only have to experience these sufferings but once in our life. But when you look at Mary, she was not, I don't want to say not shown that mercy, but she didn't receive that because she knew what awaited. And the idea that before her eyes, she's always gazing at her son, who is the Messiah, but at the same time knowing what's to come and sort of the the joy and the sorrow that can exist in, in looking at your newborn baby. Mm-hmm. Um, I Yeah, and so that's something that I never really thought about is that um, that Mary received this prophecy um, knowing that it is true, but accepting that with such calm mm. and such a peace. Again, I think in trusting in the goodness of God's plan, but again, at the same time, always be reminding, or she's always reminded of the path that her son is going to take. Right, right, absolutely, absolutely. And I think it's interesting to to reflect on this as a parent as well, that yes, she is the so Mary is she's the mother of God she's holding the Messiah like you said but she knows Jesus's greater purpose it's mm-hmm. not just to be her little baby boy yeah. <laughs> it's, it's to to be the savior of the world and thinking about this in light of our own parenthood as well that our children do not belong to us mm-hmm. that is yeah that is almost a frightening um, truth that we have to realize as parents, but also, but also a beautiful one that they're not ours. They're on loan to us from yeah. God and they're gifts from God. But ultimately we have to surrender them um, into God's hands. And that can be really, really challenging. And especially, you know, I've talked to parents who have lost a child and uh, my husband and I, we experienced a miscarriage in December of 2015 and that loss was was and it was an early an, an early miscarriage, but it affected us deeply. And I think about parents who have lost children, um, who are five, ten adult children, um, and the the pain that comes with that. But using this particular um, this particular prophecy or, or this particular sorrow of Mary as a reminder that. There's a there's a certain amount of surrender that comes with saying yes to parenthood, mm-hmm. and that although it it can result in loss, that God has a bigger plan. That the the end of the story was not well. There's a sword that's going to pierce your heart. The end, <laughs> right? Like right. that was not that was not the end of the story. The crucifixion was not the end of the story. Right. Right. Which is which is probably why the Blessed Mother was able to to endure. Everything was that she knew, even in the the darkest of moments, this is not the end of the story. Um, and so to cling to that. Um, the other piece, I think, with within this moment, with Simeon's prophecy, and I think it's in a book by Joyce Rupp that, that focuses on these seven sorrows, but also looking at Anna. Anna is the, the prophetess, I think, that's mentioned yeah. in Luke, and that God would have used Anna as well in that moment that, yes, she's Mary is hearing this intense, like, you know, a sword's going to pierce your heart. Um, but Anna would have been there to, I don't want to say lighten the mood, but she would have been there to affirm the motherhood of Mary, mm-hmm. I think. And being able to bring in that, like, feminine genius or just, like, 
the baby's so cute, <laughs> you know, like, like, oh, what a precious, you know, um, just being able to, to bring that balance to it that she, she probably would have been a really good reminder to the Blessed Mother that, like, this is, this is going to be fine. <laughs> this yeah. is going to be okay. Uh, but yeah, just having that, like, looking, looking at that as, as a parent, um, that surrender. And again, with each of these sorrows, we're going back to surrender, patience, trust. Trust. Yeah. And one of the things that I was thinking just when you were talking is that, yeah, that whole idea of, of surrendering your children to God. Like, I, I think there was a moment, and I can't remember what the events were that led to me actually thinking about this question, but God basically saying in a moment in prayer, like, do you trust me with your children? Oof. Yeah. And it's like, well, how about you take one hand and I take the other? <laughs> like I'm not, I'm not ready for right. for that. And I think too for parents, this idea of constant discernment on what does that surrender look like? Because it is going to mm. be different, but it, it does mm-hmm. boil down to trust in God. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm also not going to leave my, you know, four year old at home by himself and be like, right. all right, Lord, you're you're babysitting my four year old while I go out to eat or something. So there's obviously there's there's prudence in the decisions that you make, but the whole idea of, of letting um, giving them over to God, mm-hmm. right? Saying this child is yours, mm-hmm. and I will do what you want me to do, mm-hmm. and that's so hard because I know sometimes we already have expectations for our kids, yep. kind of yep. have plans for our kids that yeah. are. Um, we we send them through certain forms of education because we want them to get a decent job because we want them to be able to have a comfortable life or a good life. And I think sometimes for me or even in our culture, the idea of like really teaching them how to follow God's plan, like how to listen mm-hmm. to God in their own lives and as a parent to be to trust that if your child is like, I brought this to prayer and I think this is what I need to do. Obviously when they're older and sort of life decisions, that part of it's surrender. Right. That you have to trust. And that's why it's so important for parents to take the responsibility to teach their children how to listen to the voice of God. Yes. And that, that is so true. And I know you and I are, are looking at this as the parents of younger kids, but what also came to mind with what you were saying is parents whose children have left the faith that, that please do not give up on them. Like Mm -hmm. still having that surrender and saying like, Lord, these are our kids belong to you and being able to, even though it, it feels like a sword is piercing, um, you know, our own hearts of our kids have, you know, rejected the faith or aren't going to mass just to remember, like, that's not, it's not necessarily the end of the story, but to persevere in patience and trust. And again, putting them in the hands of, of God. Yeah. Um, and just as we're talking about this idea of surrender, there's an amazing, um, there's like a surrender novena. I think you were the first yeah. to introduce it to me. Oh, that's good. It's real good. Maybe we should add that to the show notes um, because it is it is a really good resource of the idea of like what does it mean to surrender, and it's really powerful. And so I think it might be a good resource as we sort of talk about this because it's way easier said than done. Yes. <laughs> yes. All right. Are we ready to move on to I the think next? We're mo- yep. Okay. So the next sorrow is the flight into Egypt, which is in Matthew chapter two, verses thirteen to twenty-one. So, um, yeah. So they are they're they're headed to Egypt. The um, the 
virtues that are associated with this one, um, according to the prayer, were the virtue of generosity, especially toward the poor, and the gift of piety. One of the things that I was thinking um, about this whole sort of journey from um, from Bethlehem to Egypt, what that would have been like, because in a sense, they're kind of fugitives. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they are. are. They are fleeing. They are. And sort of what that trip was like, uh, you know, like at any at any turn of the corner, what are they going to encounter? And so right. they're going into a land um, that is not their own. Right. Um, and so this wasn't just like going from Tyler to Longview. This was like a 300-mile trip, and it would have taken up to 30 days, oh to, my goodness. if not longer. I didn't know that. The more you know. Yep. Um, that, I mean, for me, that even increases. The, I, I mean, if I'm like concerned about something or if I think danger is lurking, like mm-hmm. even just three minutes of that is heart wrenching or five minutes. But to think of 30 days of. <sighs> but then again, the the trust that um, that would come with making that trip, you know, and and I think, too, one of the things that I was thinking about when we were when I was looking at this is that um, we, too, are, in a sense, like pilgrims, right? We yes. are on a journey here, and there is a lot of scary things that we will encounter. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of scary things that our kids will encounter. And by scary, I mean things that threaten our eternal salvation, things that are going, um, that can risk us separating ourselves from God through sin and the temptation that lies in this world that we have mm-hmm. and that we too are called so what mary and joseph and jesus had to do is, is leave um they, they go from like you know family or people that they know to a foreign land right and it's strange and so that the same thing for us like there is an absolute detaching yep. of worldly things that we have to go through um in order to enter into eternity exactly. and lent is such a good time to practice mm-hmm. that detachment um, this is why things like prayer and fasting and almsgiving are emphasized during this time because it is really all about detachment from worldly things um, and trusting, right, right? And learning when we do that, trusting in the goodness of God's plan and surrendering those things, knowing that all of these things we can never bring with us, right. even if it's good and maybe even necessary for um, our life here on earth, you know, but learning how to in some in some way detach and to, um, and to not fear going into this land of things that can be scary, but knowing that, that God has a plan for um, your eternal good. Yes, yeah. yes, absolutely. And I'm glad you said the word detach. That's what I wrote <laughs> with this, uh, this particular sorrow is detachment. And I know like, we're not talking about St. Joseph, but to, to just highlight St. Joseph for a moment, because I believe in um, in this particular passage, it says the the angel comes to Joseph in the dream and is like, Joseph, do this, this, and this. And then the very next line is, Joseph did this, this, and this. He got mm-hmm. up, got his family, and they left. There is no dialogue. <laughs> there is no St. Joseph saying, but, or maybe, maybe we can just wait a couple of days or they got things ready, but they just went. And so with that detachment is like this obedience and trust. Mm -hmm. And also thinking about like what that conversation would have been like between Joseph and Mary and that Mary had to trust that 
like, okay, Joseph, mm-hmm. like, let's, let's go. Um, and even reflecting on, I mean, getting to the, like the sorrow of the, the situation, um, you know, you wonder, you know, did Mary realize why they had to flee? or realizing that all of these children were being slaughtered and what that would have done to her heart as a mom and or you know did she find out later what that what was going on and why they had to flee so quickly um but again just emphasizing what you said just that detachment from you know yeah we set up shop we're comfortable where we are mm-hmm. and god is calling us to make this huge journey um, how is God calling us out of our comfort zones mm-hmm. this Lent? Or what's he, what is he asking of our own families? Because um, we can get real comfortable. <laughs> we yeah. can get really comfortable and like, you know, this is what we do. This is our routine. We go to Mass on Sunday. We do our nightly prayers. But how is God calling us to 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 trust him even more mm-hmm. to detach from um from our earthly possessions and uh, and to surrender and just the fact that the virtue of generosity especially towards the poor and the gift of piety that those are the the virtues that are kind of associated with this sorrow is, is really interesting um because yeah when you're detached you can be more mm-hmm. generous and yeah and more reflective on on what's god's will yeah and then one of the things too before we move on um, it just made me think of it is the idea that um, the protective nature of Joseph mm-hmm. and Mary, right? And mm-hmm. that there is an obvious threat. Like Herod wants to rid the world of the mm. presence of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And then also knowing that as parents, um, the devil wants to rid in the in our souls the presence of Jesus. He wants that to be gone. And so as parents taking up those protective arms, like, that we are willing to go to any length to, to to save or to keep our kids from that that spiritual harm. Mm. Like I know we can't keep them from every physical harm. Right. And there are so many things outside of our control, but especially when we have young ones, like there are things that we know threaten the innocence of our children, mm-hmm. uh, the, uh, the prayerfulness of our children. Um, there's so many temptations. And I think maybe even um, having a conversation with your spouse or even just looking closely at what are those things in our life or in the life of my child that's uh, obstructing the view of Jesus or pushing the presence of Jesus out. Um, and then really, because those are hard decisions, yep. right? Those are really yep. hard decisions when it comes to what types of technology you bring in and, and what you're paying attention to, to uh, friend groups, like who are you allowing the exposure of your kids? And that can be really hard. And our children may not always be really excited about um, what we're trying to do in order to protect their souls. Uh, but I do think it's something to take into um, to prayerful consideration. Like, is there anything that's going on in our home um, that is, or there's temptations that my kid is really struggling with that is um, threatening the presence of Jesus in his soul or in mm. our family. And using this time as a time to do what you need to do to address mm-hmm. those, whether it's counseling or going and talking to a priest or just going to confession or having an honest family conversation or just saying, you know what, we're making another policy now of these things are not welcome in our home simply because. Um, we're just trying to make sure that that it is evident that Christ is present. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Amen. Amen. All right. All right. Ready for number three? Ready for number three. All right. This is the loss of Jesus 
in the temple. And this one gives me a lot of anxiety now as a parent because <laughs> I imagine losing my child in Walmart. I can't imagine losing my child for three days. No. <laughs> so this is in Luke chapter 2, verse 41 to 50. And um, the virtues associated with this one I thought were interesting, um, the virtue of chastity and the gift of knowledge. And um, I, I think it's interesting, and I think we heard this at the Women's Advent Retreat, um, but this is the only time in scripture, I think, where we kind of see Mary get anxious. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, and it, the only time that she's anxious is when she's away from Jesus, but she knows where to go to look for him. She knows that she knows to, to go to the temple and, and to find him. And it's such a great reminder to seek Jesus, mm-hmm. go and look for him <laughs> when, yeah. when, uh, things are particularly, um, uh, f- full of anxiety or stressful. She wasn't, she didn't just stay back and say like, well, I'll just wait and see if he comes home. Mm-hmm. But she actively went with Joseph to find him and they did. And that's where we go in times of anxiety or suffering is we go find Jesus. Yeah. And I think too, um, if I ever, I mean, I can't, like you said, the idea, like even if, um, when I'm with my kids, even if they get two steps ahead, mm-hmm. I'm like, come back, come back. Right. I'm calling their name. <laughs> like mother hen. Just, yeah. 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 Because the idea is very, um, it's, it's daunting. Yeah. Yes. And I wonder like the intensity for which parents seek a lost child, mm-hmm. like the intensity of that. And I loved how you said, like, we know where to find Jesus. Like mm-hmm. we know to find him. Um, physically in the Eucharist, in in every church, that's where you can go to be in the presence of Jesus. And and maybe even just look at what is our intensity, like if we are anxious and if we feel like we are away from the Lord or there's a lot of confusion or anxiety setting in, that might be a sign Mm -hmm. that we we need to go find God. What is the intensity for which we are pursuing being connected, like being in the presence of Jesus? So mm-hmm. just something to consider during this time of Lent. Um, what is the intensity for which I am pursuing the Lord? Yeah, yeah. And looking at the the virtue of chastity, because I just thought that was really interesting that chastity was associated with this. But even as um, like single people, and I know for me um, in – I think specifically in Lent of 2010, this is before I met my husband, kind of having this anxiety of like, okay, what is God calling me to? Because I think I'm called to marriage, but there's nobody here. So what am I like? What am God? What are you? What are you doing? And in my life, and I know a lot of young adults. We've, Mm -hmm. I mean, I've talked to many, yeah, yeah, who are just very anxious about. What is God's plan for my life? What is my vocation? I have no idea, or I I long for marriage, but nothing's happening. What do I do? What do I do? Um, to take that to Christ or to realize like, are, are you, are you with Jesus? Mm -hmm. Is, is that a priority? Because if that's not in order, then nothing else, nothing else can, um, yeah, can align itself. Amen. Yeah. Working on the interior life. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Constantly. Very good. Okay. So moving on to number four. Number four. Okay. Very good. So this one, um, and I've seen it written a couple of different ways. Um, Mary uh, meets Jesus on his way to Calvary, or Jesus is carrying his cross um, in John 19, 17. Um, And the 
I know a lot of people have seen the the Passion of the Christ that movie, mm-hmm. um, and that scene where oh, she man. runs to Jesus. Oh man, I, lo- I cry every time. Every time, <laughs> <laughs> and as a reminder of what that scene looks like. Um, she has this in the movie. She has this hesitation to run to Jesus, and the disciple is telling. This must be John is telling her, "He's right here. If you're going to see him, you got to go right, right now. now." And she's hesitating because she knows what she's going to see, and it flashes back to man. I'm going to cry here. It flashes <laughs> back to I know man. Uh, it flashes back to Jesus running as a little boy, and then he falls down, and then Mary immediately runs to him and picks him up and then you see um man (laughs) that jesus um jesus is carrying the cross and then mary runs to him in the same way that she did when he was little and i think this is like getting into these um to the passion and these final four um reflections as a mom and as i have more children too this this really pierces my heart just to think about what must she have what must she have been experiencing in this mm-hmm. moment um and then the prayer it says you know to obtain the virtue of patience and the gift of fortitude and i think that points back to what you were saying at the very beginning that you have to have patience and trust in order to be able to endure any of this and that that moment of encountering christ in in his taking up of the cross that that must have been so hard, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so hard. And um, in some of the writings of the saints, um, specifically St. Bridget, um, she says that Jesus and Mary looked at one another and there was this intense look of love between him. And in that, Mary took up her own cross and she followed Jesus to the end of that walk to Calvary. And uh, just affirms her role as the first disciple, as uh, her fiat from the very beginning, that she was in it. She wasn't just mm-hmm. up up to it during the, the the happy times, but she was willing to walk with Christ all the way up to to the crucifixion. And that's such a good question for us as as Christians. Are we willing to follow Jesus to the cross? Are we willing to take up our cross, deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow Him? Mm-hmm. Like, really, are we are we are we able to to do that? And Lent is such a great time to reflect on that, and it is a time where we're detaching, we're denying ourselves, mm-hmm. but with a greater purpose of pursuing the Lord. But are we willing to embrace the cross and to really reflect on what is the cross that Jesus is asking me to carry? Because yeah. it, it may not look as pretty <laughs> as yeah. what I, I originally thought, or it may be a little bit heavier than I thought, but am I willing to embrace it regardless of how painful it is um, or heavy? Am I willing to follow Christ to the end? Yeah. Yeah. And two, one of the things I was thinking about when you were talking is Mary's role in that whole process. Because also in the Passion of the Christ, when Jesus receives the cross, there is a, a moment where he just, I mean, closer. he gets close and, mm. and maybe lays his head on it. But mm-hmm. um, I could watch that particular, like, two seconds. He kisses for the, it, I think. I think. Yeah. I mean, it's something like, okay, so this is, this is how. Um, the will of like how the people will be saved this is um this is it and knowing that in our own sufferings and in our own times of carrying our crosses like when we do that um as difficult as it is it in those crosses god is giving us really the gift of 
learning more deeply the heart of Christ, the mm. one who was so willing to embrace suffering for the good of souls. And two, that God uses our crosses, whatever they are, big or small, um, he uses that for our spiritual good mm-hmm. and in learning to embrace that, but also knowing the role of Mary. Like there is, there's no recorded words in scripture right. from Mary and just her presence there. Like you see her there. And I think too, as moms, as parents, that there are going to be times where maybe um, it is painful to watch our kids suffer. And there are some crosses that they're going to have to carry that even as much as we wish we could take that from her or take it on, we just can't. Mm-hmm. Um, but knowing that we are there to walk with them like Mary was to Jesus right. and having that um, in our mind that um, that, that sometimes sometimes our calling is going to be to walk with the one who's suffering. And sometimes it's, we are the one who is suffering. And sometimes it's, it's both mm-hmm. at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and just realizing where you can imitate um, Mary in following her son as he, um, as he bears his cross. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Okay. So moving to the next sorrow, be the crucifixion or the death of Jesus in John 19, verses 18 to 30. Um, and the virtues associated with this one be um, obtained for me, the virtue of temperance and the gift of counsel. Um, and when I was reading a meditation on this particular uh, sorrow, St. Bridget says that Mary stood even closer to the cross at this point. And as a mom, it's very difficult for me to imagine wanting to draw closer um, to the suffering of, of my child or like, I mean, that, I mean, as a mom, you want, you want to embrace, you want to embrace your child. You want to, 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 to dive deeper, um, in with that. But, um, but the, the horror of what was happening Mm -hmm. on the cross, the scandal of the cross, this was a horrific death that Jesus was suffering. And the fact that she would draw closer and to have the, the courage to, to, to remain, because she didn't have to. She, yeah. There was there was no requirement that she be right there the whole time. She could have just shown up at the end, um, or just been there while he was um, walking. But she stood right there, and she was there at the moment of his death. And Saint Jerome has written things uh, about this moment, and he says, you know, every torture inflicted on the body of Jesus was a wound in the heart of his mother. Mm-hmm. And St. John Chrysostom said, anyone who had been present then on Mount Calvary would have seen two altars on which two great sacrifices were being offered, the one in the body of Jesus and the other in the heart of Mary. And there's some profound theology <laughs> right yeah. there. And looking at the at Mary as really the heart of the church mm-hmm. and um, that the we can't um, we can't fully enter into to the truths of our faith without also fully embracing the cross, which mm-hmm. is why we can have the cross in our in our churches to to have crucifixes to to meditate on on the suffering of Christ because we know that it had a bigger purpose than to just than for Jesus to just suffer. Yeah, right? that that was the redemption, and we also know that that the resurrection was to follow. Right. But um, but yeah, I just I love what the saints have said um, about this moment that it's that Mary is there and she's the heart of the church and she is suffering along with Mm -hmm. with Jesus. 
Yeah, that's one of the things too from that reading when I um, when I was preparing for today is that even at that um, before before Jesus dies, when she'd watched him suffer, mm-hmm. um, and I again I can't even imagine what that's like. But then Christ and his love for his church. When he looks at John and Mary, he tells Mary, behold your son. Mm-hmm. And he tells John, behold your mother. And at that moment, like, actually, I think in scripture says um, the disciple with whom he loved. And so you can substitute you mm-hmm. in that, you know, because we are disciples who he loves and he's giving us his mother. Mm-hmm. And um, and it also says that at that from that moment on, John took her into his home. His home. And even thinking about this, like, uh, even at the most painful moment for her, she is still a mother to all. And so thinking mm. about how do we bring Mary into our home? Mm. How do we bring her into our life? Like, And this might just be a good time to examine what is our relationship with Mary? Um, what does that look like? Um, do I have one? Is there some hesitation there? And what's that? Why do I have that hesitation? And really tackling those issues because... Mary's spiritual motherhood is a gift given to us by Jesus. Yep. And to not avail ourselves to that, we are missing a dynamic that Christ obviously wanted us to have. Right. right. Um, and it's that so he would, evident. That he would take the time to say that in mm-hmm. the final moments of his life. Behold yeah. your mother. Behold your son. Yeah. It's kind of a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> At our house, we call her Mama Mary. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> Same here. Absolutely. All right, are we ready for number six? Ready for number six. Okay, so this is the piercing of the side of Jesus. So John 19, verses 39 and 40. Um, and the virtues associated with this one be fraternal charity and the gift of understanding. Um, and one of the meditations that I, I was reading on this was you know, <laughs> the trauma <laughs> that was occurring, the, the horror that was happening before the Blessed Mother's eyes Um, watching her son um, die, that the only way that she could have endured all of that would have been by God's grace. Mm -hmm. That's the only way that she could have endured all of this and remained at the foot of the cross the entire time. Um, And I would imagine that as she's enduring all of this, Perhaps the the grace that she's receiving is is that reminder of this is not the end of the story. This mm-hmm. is not this is not the end, um, and I I cannot imagine uh, you know the loss of of a child, um, and I've I've met many parents who have who have lost children in, in horrific ways, car accidents, cancer, and the pain that they experience. I I just cannot wrap my mind around that. Um, but some of the folks that I've, I've uh, spoken with have talked about how focusing on the suffering of Mary at the foot of the cross has been something that has helped them because she knows. Yeah. She knows the depth of that pain. She knows what it's like to to, to witness, um, you know, not only the death of um, – because at this point Jesus has, has died – but it's almost like an extra, an extra um, hurt because they're they're piercing, mm-hmm. they're piercing him. They're they're hurting him even even more. Um, but yeah, just just being able to walk with Mary in that that particular suffering, or for for people who have lost children, that this is a this is really a, a devotion to to perhaps. Um, really focus on or, or maybe meditate on as mm-hmm. far as what to do with that yeah. suffering. Yeah, because there's no grief 
which she did not experience. Mm. Um, and I, and I think to remember that, like, um, when we are experiencing that, that tremendous grief in whatever form, from whatever it comes from, that there's not a grief that she does not understand. Mm -hmm. And knowing that how close she was to Christ and that her mission is to lead us closer to her son, we can't go wrong in running to her. And, um, one of also kind of a little bit of a different spin on this, but one of the things that, um, when I was reading the idea that like, at the moment that his side was pierced, right, that there came out blood and water um, of the few, one of the things that of the few drops that remained, right, he totally emptied himself. Mm. And then um, at mass, there's a representation of that, of that moment, right, of that sacrifice. And, um, and so like what... What does what do we do with that? Right, that that God emptied Himself out, and Mary mm. is watching this. Mm-hmm. And how how do we receive that? Mm. Um, what with what love do we receive that? And so, and again, going back to the Eucharist, but the blood, right, the body and blood of Christ um, that has been poured out for us, that has been freely given to us out of love. How do we receive Christ right. um, in our right. lives? And the idea that Mary. Um, I don't know if I'm getting ahead of ourselves, but the fact that Mary received the body of her son, right? The body was lifeless mm-hmm. um, and what that's like. And so we have never had to experience that because we experienced right. the living Christ right. given to us in communion. And how do we receive that? And for me, I just made this connection. Like mm. I mean, she, she held in her arms the lifeless body of the Savior. Mm. But every time we go to Mass... Before our eyes is the living Christ whose body and, and, and blood is there, soul and divinity. And so how do we receive that? Mm. Uh, with, how do we approach that? What is the reverence we have? Mm. Um, if we can't approach that um, for, you know, whether we need to go to confession or we are in some state in life that is preventing us from receiving communion, like, let's take care of that. Yeah. Let's get to those issues. And um, because God wants to share that with us. So. Right, right. Oh, beautiful. All right. So then the seventh sorrow is the burial of Jesus. And as you said, Mary was the one to receive the body of Jesus. Um, and the virtue associated with this one is diligence and the gift of wisdom. Um, and I, uh, I was just thinking about what that moment must have been like or, or how long would it have taken to transition from Mary receiving Jesus's body and then her being willing to let him go to, to be placed in the tomb. Um, because man, that's a, that's a, that's a huge act of surrender. Um, and we've all, I think we've all seen the, the image of the Pieta and Mm -hmm. just, I mean, oh, and that's a powerful, powerful image. Um, and the grief of the waiting, of, of knowing, like, this is not the end of the story. Like, this is, you know, as you said, this is Jesus's lifeless body, but it's not the end. But right, right. now, this is what we're experiencing, or, or this is um, this is the reality of the situation. Um, but just that intense ache of having to surrender and and just say, okay, God, this is <laughs> this is all in your your hands, and that's mm-hmm. just that's just something that that comes back over and over again. I think within the Christian journey is the, and it's going to be more intense than others. Um, 
in certain times on the journey, but being able to surrender totally um, everything <laughs> into God's hands and not yeah. knowing, like, like knowing, okay, God wants what's best for me. God loves me. But I don't know what exactly it's going to look like yeah. <laughs> in the end. I just know that, that God's already there. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, no, I think, um, again, there is, even though she knows it's not the end of the story, mm-hmm. there is a finality to sort of, like, placing him in the tomb and then rolling the stone, right? There's a, there's, because she's been with him, and we don't really know. Um, we see her often in his public ministry. Like, she mm-hmm. is always, she's always there. And the idea that, like, okay, now to hold him, to to speak to him, to mm-hmm. um, there's a finality to that burial, but still the, the trusting in, again, the goodness of God's plan. Right. And to be able to trust that way, to be able to follow God's plan for you in such a way that you have complete trust right. um, in what he is doing. Right. And again, it's such a hard thing to do, especially um, as parents, because, um, you know, we just live in such a difficult world sometimes that that's hostile to holiness mm-hmm. um, and to Jesus. And um, kind of leading our kids into a world where we don't know what's going to happen. Right. Um, so doing our best that we can, but there is a moment of this sort of, okay, yeah, letting go. And I'm sure it's a gradual process of mm-hmm. letting go um, that we have is, you know, when they're younger and then as they grow older, there's grow old, there's different levels of sort of letting go. But in every single one of those moments, being like, okay, Jesus, I trust in you. Mm-hmm. I trust in the goodness of your plan. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously doing what we need to do on our end, but also the idea of surrender and trust. Right, right. And thinking about how Mary's surrender and trust and just her abandonment to the will of God and all of this, the disciples that were still there or – Cause I imagine like, you know, after, after the burial, she's got to, she's got to go home. She's got to, she's, she's going with John and the disciples at this point are afraid. They have no idea what's, what's going to happen next, even though Jesus told them multiple times. <laughs> um, but Mary would have been there as a reminder to them, mm-hmm. like, and she's his mother. Yeah. <laughs> like, if she can, if she can hold to, if she can hold to the faith, if she can, you know, still trust in God's goodness, even at this darkest moment, then that must have spoken something to to the disciples. And that can be a reminder to us as well. And also realizing that when we endure suffering, when we take up our cross and follow Jesus, people, people take notice Mm -hmm. of that. And that can be a really powerful witness. And, you know, talking with parents who have lost children, but are still faithful to to their Catholic faith, or they still have a relationship with God. Like how can how yeah. can you possibly do that? It's because they 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 trust they yeah. they trust in God's ultimate plan, and that's not easy <laughs> to do, but so worthwhile. Yeah, and I know we've brought it up in um, a past episode when we talked about our personal stories. But the biggest impact of my faith was when I saw someone who was suffering tremendously, losing their life, and the faith that they had in Christ exactly. and the love that they had for Jesus in their, even in their moment of suffering. Like I'm like, that is someone who knows that there is something different here, that, yes. that um, yes. there is something eternal. There is something past this life. And Christ made a difference in my friend's life. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's exactly what 
um, what Christ does, yes. right? When we say yes to that, when we assent to his plan and we commit to be faithful, um, that's what he does. He changes us. And exactly. during Lent is such a good time to think about like, um, my life should be different with Christ in it. And if it's not to really examine like what are there detach are there attachments that I have that I need to detach mm-hmm. from? I need to get these things out. Am I really praying the way that I should? Am I really being generous? Exactly. Um, am I using my life as a witness? Because the whole point of all of this Lent is to draw closer to the heart mm-hmm. of Christ. We can do that through Mary. But we should be different at the end. Exactly. So one of the things when I when I'm thinking about Lent is like, okay, sure, there's things that I can like give up, and I'm not saying there's not. Not saying it's not good to give up chocolate, but usually at Chris, at Easter, what I do then is I just eat way too much chocolate. Yep. But I I feel like my true self just went on pause mm. for those forty mm. days, and I didn't feel different. So yeah. I really try, or I wasn't different. Not that I just didn't feel different. I wasn't different. Mm-hmm. So the idea that this is such an incredible time to really um, kind of look at the hard stuff, mm-hmm. to say okay there are some big crosses that I've been avoiding. Maybe that's what we should focus on this Lent. Like what are those yes. like learning to embrace that because God wants to transform us. Yes. And Lent is such a good time to have a more intense focus into, am I surrendering to Christ? Mm-hmm. Everything. Am I surrendering All everything? Am I yeah. trusting God in every area of my life? Or is there one that I'm just kind of, then what can I do during Lent or what have I done or what could I improve on really making that right something that is in fact transformative? Right, yeah. right, and especially as we draw closer to Holy Week, um, if you're thinking about the last five or six weeks, you're like, "Meh, I didn't have the greatest Lent." It's still, it's still okay. <laughs> it's, not, it's not too late. But to really think about during um, during the 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 Triduum. Um, everything that you were just saying like how how can I or what what else is there to give even if even if I've done a great job of surrendering things over the past 40 days what what's left there's still probably something there that I can that I can detach from and surrender um, into God's hands and the other thing that I was reminded of while you were talking is that suffering has meaning for us mm-hmm. as Catholics and Absolutely. that's one of my favorite things I think about being Catholic and, and it's not just in the sense of like oh we'll offer it up well yeah I mean offer it up but that means something yeah. that actually means something to take our suffering and to put it into the arms of Christ, into the wounds of Christ, to embrace the cross um, in an intense way. And when you look at the saints like Mother Teresa of Calcutta, um, the, the the saints that experience these dark nights, um, suffering is a real thing. And it's not one of those... Like we we don't do the whole like prosperity gospel. Like, well, if you know, if you, if you love Jesus, everything's gonna be Work perfect. Yeah. No, that is that is not our faith. And praise God for that. But that can be a really good reminder um, during the Lenten season is that suffering has meaning. So people who maybe they can't go and you know serve at a soup kitchen or they can't go and do all of these different things but they have physical pains or, mm-hmm. or sicknesses they can offer that yeah um, as as reparation for sin or you know offer that on behalf of, of other people because in in looking at these seven sorrows especially 
Mary's suffering had meaning in mm-hmm. all of it. It was not wasted. Yeah. <laughs> it was not wasted. And it's the same with our suffering. It doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be wasted. Um, and knowing that in our suffering, it is not the end of the story. Yeah. It is not the end of the story, which is the beauty of the cross is that the resurrection is, is right there. But in order to appreciate Easter Sunday, we got to go through Right. Good Friday. We gotta we gotta carry the cross all the yeah. way. No resurrection without the crucifixion. Exactly. So Exactly. This is our faith. Yep. We'll profess it proudly. Amen. Yes. And hopefully live it boldly. Right? Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Amen. All right. Well, I know that was it was kind of a heavy episode, um, I think, but I I do pray that it is something that can help us. It's in Lent. Our, you know? I know. It should be hard, right? <laughs> Maybe your cross was listening to an hour of this. I'm not sure. Um, But no, I do think this is, um, actually, I think this is one of my favorite. Um, And just talking to you and um, what we can take from these sorrows and how we can connect to the heart of Mary and learn more about the heart of Jesus uh, for transformation of our soul. Amen. So I know one of the things that we like to do in every episode is do a Into the Chariot, um, which is a a practical take-home thing that we can do to take something that we've learned from the lesson and put it into action. So my Into the Chariot is to um, look at the show notes um, because it has how to pray a chaplet of the seven sorrows. And Mm -hmm. I encourage you, um, if you can, at some point during Lent to just do at least one. Um, uh, And if it's after Lent that, that someone's listening to this, then just do it. Right, just try to commit to um, praying a chaplet of the seven sorrows of Mary. Amen. And I would just suggest that uh, as we continue the Lenten journey, however much of it is left um, when you're hearing this podcast, um, to think about how is Christ calling me to deeper intimacy with him this Lenten season? So does that mean detaching from something, um, intensifying the prayer life? What? But how is how is God calling us to to deeper intimacy, um, this Lent? All right. Very good. Wonderful. Well, thanks so much, Deanna. Oh, um, thank you. Yeah. Well, that's great. And we're excited. Like, we've done several <laughs> episodes by this point, which is really exciting. Yeah. And um, we're still just getting started, folks. It's going to be <laughs> it's gonna be good. Um, we still have, uh, you know, plans to, to bring on different topics, and we're going to start transitioning into the Easter season and, and focusing on things um, from a, maybe more of a thematic or liturgical uh, perspective. Um, but you'll continue to have episodes um, with Mickey and myself and Dr. Trisenkos. Um, we have a new director of faith formation mm-hmm. uh, and Luke Arredondo. I wonder if he'll be Luke, Dr. Luke <laughs> <laughs> by the time this comes out. You got Father Braun, um, Doug Berry. Uh, but we really would love to do episodes uh, with questions from the folks who are listening to mm-hmm. the podcast. So please feel free to, to email us at podcast at stphilipinstitute.org if there's a specific question that you have that we can answer on the podcast or just a topic that you want us to to cover um especially if it's for the bishop yeah we will get it to him um and then just be sure to follow us on facebook instagram youtube um and our new website stphilipinstitute.org it looks real good it does look real good they have done a great job yeah, and also when you're talking to, um, leave us a review on iTunes. So yes. any sort of review we can get helps us gauge um, if we're feeding the listeners what they want mm-hmm. or what they need. So please leave us a review. Yeah. Uh, we'd appreciate it. And that gives us more exposure to folks too. Yeah. The more it's it's rated. So absolutely. 
All right, well, we are um, coming to an end, so we are going to end with an apostolic blessing from our bishop. The Lord be with you, and may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.